Welcome to Mental Toughness with Dr. Rob Bell. Each week, Dr. Rob sits down with athletes, executives, and expert coaches to talk about mental toughness and their hinge moment. Here's your host, Dr. Rob. I remember there was one time that I was walking through my house and it was a tougher workout. You know, I was, I was, I was struggling through it. And, um, and I was complaining. My mom was sort of spotting me right behind me. And eventually I just stopped. And I was like, old Robert Paler would have just slapped me across the face right now if he could have. Um, and this sort of perspective gave birth to a phrase that I use and encourage a lot of other people to use um, called compared to what? So I'll be thinking like, oh man, I'm really tired right now, but compared to what? Or there's a lot that I'm going through but compared to what there's a lot that i do have and there's a lot that i can do now that statement is not meant to dismiss our challenges i think it's very unhealthy when we dismiss our challenges it ignores it well the challenge will never go away if we do that but what that statement is meant to do is put our challenges down into perspective because it helps us realize that what we're going through is overcomable folks when i finished my 100 miler I was happy to be done, but I wasn't finished. The reason why my legs weren't completely bonked from running was that I used PR lotion by Momentus. It simply eliminated any lactic acid buildup in my legs, and it's the best product I've ever used. Momentus is a leading nutrition and supplement company which works with over 150 professional and collegiate sports teams. No other company has the accolades of being awarded six innovation contracts from the Department of Defense for Human Performance. Since I started using PR Lotion, I now use their plant-based protein, collagen peptides, and recovery formula. Look, if performing is important to you, do yourself a favor. Go to livemomentous.com. And for listening today, you get the best part, a discount. Enter code DRB20 for 20% off your order. That's DRB and the number 20. LiveMomentous.com. Optimize, perform, and recover. LiveMomentous.com. You have these guests in in life and then on, on the podcast who I just think in life, like you know they're meant to impact others in the world. Uh, some other guests on our podcast that have done that, uh, that I really recommend checking out. Obviously, Stephanie White, episode 105. Uh, Michael Bent was episode 103, the reluctant champion. Danita Waters, episode 100. She's a repeat guest. She, again, was one that was struck by a car, thrown from her bike, and the rehab she had, and she just finished riding across the United States on her bike. Uh, Pratiti Pathic, episode 94, who... Uh, suffered horrific death from her son, and then Karen Sparks, episode 90, whose episode title is uh, Her Heart Beats for Three. Today, we have one of those guests. On episode 116 this week, our guest has had a massive hinge moment. He's impacted so many different people's lives. He was a University of California rugby player in the national championship game on May 6, 2017, when he became paralyzed in the middle of a play very early in the game. Um, we're going to talk with this individual today, but the doctors even told him when I spoke with them before doctors told him that he'd never walk again. The best that he could really hope for was to bring his 
hand to his mouth to basically feed himself in which in his own mind, he immediately thought, well, you obviously don't know me. Um, his next book, well, his book is going to be out. It's going to be released. It's called Paralyzed to Powerful. Our guest today is Robert Paler. Robert, man, thanks so much for joining us, bud. Thank you for having me here, Dr. Rob. I'm very excited. Absolutely, man. Well, I tried to do my best. I had to reschedule because I just didn't feel I was prepared enough for this. And, and now that having been been able to get your story, been able to listen to tons of podcasts. I'm I'm ready. I'm excited, man. So um, so you're 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 in college, you're a sophomore, you're 6'5, 245. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I mean, you come from uh, already a powerhouse there in California from from school. You go into Cal and you're a sophomore and you wake up that morning, right? May 6, 2017. You wake up that morning thinking you guys are gonna win a national championship. Yep, that's exactly right. What what kind of stands out to you, man, about you know before that incident happened about that day? What stands out to me is I woke up thinking it was going to be the best day of my life. Um, it was a day of legacy, you know. As you explained, I'm a sophomore at Cal, competing in the collegiate rugby national championship. You know, I'm competing for the number one team in the nation to start as a sophomore on a team of this caliber in a game of this caliber wasn't an easy or common thing to do. It was really one of those moments where you open your eyes in in the morning and you think, wow, I've been training my entire life for this moment. And we're finally here. And it's a mixture of nerves and excitement, you know, just to kind of give some more context to breaching that day. Um, I didn't start even playing rugby till I was 16 years old. You know, in America, it's kind of a niche sport. Most of us have heard of it and we know it's this mixture of football without pads, but kind of a continuation of a game like soccer. There's no stoppages. You just keep going. It's a, it's a tough sport. It's a, it's a brutal sport. And my high school over in Sacramento Jesuit high school is the winningest American high school rugby program. Um, I think the count is around 11 national championships and they started in kind of the late nineties. Yeah, pretty good. And, um, you know, I grew up playing sports my entire life. I was especially good in contact. Um, so at the time football was really my main focus athletically. A lot of my friends were playing rugby and they said, you know, Robert, you're a good athlete. You've got a knack for putting your shoulder on someone. We've got a great team here. Think about going playing rugby, um, for us. And, one day I decided I was I was going to do it. I was going to give it a try. I did. And it was one of the best decisions I ever made in my life. Um, immediately, I'm, you know, in football, I always kind of had my hand in the dirt. So I wasn't getting the ball much. And here I am, kind of a bigger guy getting to score and um, getting to participate in all this. I enjoyed the camaraderie of, of the sport and like that really tight knit community because it is such a niche sport. When you meet someone else in, in America who plays rugby, it's, it's a big deal and you can really mm-hmm. dive into it and you just automatically have this connection. And it afforded me the opportunity to eventually go play at UC Berkeley. Now having a very successful high school program, just a two hour drive over to a very successful collegiate program, there was a lot of folks who would make that transition from Jesuit high school over to Cal. And my shoulder was eventually tapped to go compete for UC Berkeley. And I think the thing that struck me most about this program is that I was going to reach my highest potential on that team. There were some other teams that I could have gone to and I probably would have started right away. And it probably would have been an easier path into that. But I always would have known that if I went to Cal, 
maybe I could be a better player, a better student, you know, maybe even just a better, a better well-rounded person. And uh, that was really attractive to me. So I decided to go to Cal, started out kind of low man on the totem pole. You know, everybody was that big fish in the small pond and you just got put in the ocean. Um, everyone was the MVP and the captain of their team. And I had to earn my way to that position. First year, you know, kind of put in my reps, making the other guys better. And by my sophomore year, had um, had proven myself to be the best in my position on the team and afforded me that opportunity to be in this game, which was, you know, of course, a day of legacy. When you're a national champion, you're not just a national champion for that day. You're a national champion for the rest of your life. And um, and I knew that. And I, I wanted that for myself, my teammates, for the program and its fans and the players who came before and the players who come after. It was it was a big day for me. I yeah. knew that. Hey, good looking. If you like this podcast and are already a badass, but it's all way too complicated, then visit our website, drrobbell.com, and schedule a call with us to help capture your very own hinge moment. I appreciate you laying that laying that out, man. So you're already doing a great job of the interview, bud. You're doing better than I am. <laughs> you know, I always say there's no former Olympians either, right? Like there's no former presidents. You know, there's you know, once you're an Olympian, you're always Olympian. So I mean, it was, yeah. it was well said, man. Mm -hmm. So the game starts out. It's very early in the game. You're getting in the scrum, and then a. Um, you know, you guys are getting ready to score, and and mm -hmm. I'll, I'll post the link on there so people can actually see that play. Mm -hmm. Um, because it is kind of eerie. I mean, someone starts committing a foul on you, get your head in a headlock, mm -hmm. and then walk us through that. And, and I mean, really, that and you kind of talked about it the terror that you faced at that moment. Yeah, um, just a chilling moment. You know, on this day, we were competing against Arkansas State. Um, I don't think Arkansas State's ever won a national championship. Um, I don't know how many they've competed in over the years. So we came into this game feeling pretty confident. You know, we're fighting for our 31st national championship on that day. Since then, the program's had 33 national championships. And I think the only program at any sport, any level that has more championships than that program is the Harlem Globetrotters. And their games are rigged, so we are doing all right. So we definitely, we came in with this kind of been there, done that approach. Um, we had dissected a lot of game film from this team. We knew their weaknesses and how to exploit them. We knew their strengths and what we needed to be looking out for. And then it was about a minute and a half into the game that Arkansas State committed a penalty. So we do what's called kicking it into touch. With this penalty, it allows us to kick the balls up, ball out of bounds, and then we're awarded a line out, sort of an inbound, where that ball goes out of bounds. It was about seven meters out. Now, this was an obvious mauling situation for us, which we were lethal in in that year. And for those who don't understand the language of rugby, a maul is when the bigger guys regroup together in the single unit, and then we start pushing forward to advance the ball. And the defense's job is to come straight in and stop us from pushing forward. Very much the boiler room, you know, very much where the big guys, the strong guys yeah. thrived. And that was me, <laughs> like you said, six foot five, weighing in at 245 pounds. 
I was on that field to move people. That was my job. I was a workhorse. And I was thinking, this is my moment. I'm going to pound this thing in. When we watch this in game film the next day, I'm going to get a nice pat on the shoulder. It's going to be a nice job, Rob. Nice job. All of you guys who really put in the legwork to get us, get our momentum started earlier um, so we could win this championship. And as I'm doing that, the opposing players, they just start making these illegal moves and referee's not calling anything. So three players enter in from the side, all infractions in rugby, things you're not allowed to do, but the ref doesn't mm-hmm. call it. And the first player that enters in from the side binds my arm down in a neck lock. So he's pinning my chin down to my chest. Now, normally in rugby, this is an automatic yellow or red card and right. immediate suspension from the game. Uh, but the ref's not calling anything. Now, I think as an athlete, there's kind of two courses of action you can take in a situation like this. You can sort of stand up and throw your arms out to the side and you say, hey, ref, what's going on? Try and draw some attention to it so you get that penalty call and you can keep going. I wasn't about to make any excuses. I kept my shoulder level down and I kept my legs moving forward. And as I did that, their number six on the team chopped me down by my legs. I start going down that critical bind around my neck. He improves his mind. I can't get my head level up. And I just remember I closed my eyes. I gripped my teeth and I felt this God awful crunch in my neck. And then it was just like, poof. Like I opened my eyes and it's like I was in a completely different life. You know, my body was totally numb. Like that pins and needles feeling you get when your arm falls asleep or something. Um, you know, sometimes when it's really intense and you're poking this thing, you're like, I hope this thing wakes back up. Uh, that was over my entire body uh, from about below the collarbone down. And, you know, in a continuous game like this, you kind of just instinctually pop up in a moment like this sort of, you know, instinct tries to get me to move. And then very quickly, I realize, oh, I can't move my legs. Oh, I can't move my torso, my arms, my hands. Uh, I can't move anything. And I liken it to a nightmare and you just can't wake up. And I'm screaming there on the field while the play continues to go on. The referee didn't even stop play. Um, So the terror that I felt within me was unbelievable. And I just started thinking about other stories I've seen of this. Um, Immediately, I started thinking of Eric Legrand, who was a Rutgers football player. Mm -hmm. And on a special teams play, he was on kickoff. Um, made a tackle and uh, and he broke his neck. And, um, you know, you get the updates years later. Eric is one of the most positive people I've ever met. It's amazing the things uh, that he's been able to do and the positivity that he's he's maintained throughout all of this. Um, but, you know, Eric still, still deals with some very significant mobility challenges due to this injury. Um, you know, he deals with significant para- para- paralysis from the neck down. And, um, and I just think that's going to be me. I mean, I immediately start questioning all of my goals. Everything feels in jeopardy. I'm thinking, am I ever going to be able to play rugby again? You know, that thing that makes me feel most alive? Or am I ever going to be able to even go back to school or see my friends again? Or, you know, have a good career, have have a family? Or I kind of just envisioned, you know, a potential future where I'd just sort of be sitting in a wheelchair looking out a window for the rest of my life. My mom's kind of spoon feeding me. One day she passes away and I'm just kind of dealing with caretakers. It was a very grim possibility that was in front of me. Mm-hmm. And these are all just thoughts that are swimming in my mind in the first couple of minutes. Um, the very, very much, you know, survival focused, um, thinking that 
my life has just completely changed and I'm praying, dear God, do not let this be true. This, this just can't be my life. Right. Now I know that, that again, with, when those fouls were, were taking place and some of the research that I did, I mean, USA rugby has apologized mm-hmm. about the way that they handled that situation and even the investigation in that. Did the player ever reach out to you? Uh, he has, he has not reached out to me. Really? Um, yeah, he hasn't. And that was one of the more difficult things that I dealt with in this injury because, you know, it's one thing if it's just a fluke and, you know, let's say, you know, something happens while you're driving and, you know, you, you slide on some black guys and break your neck, or it was simply just a mistimed tackle and then you break your neck. Uh, what happened to me was clearly caused by this bind around my neck Yes, there were a lot of penalties that happened in that play, but there was only one that broke my neck. If you were to take away that bind and leave everything else in there, I would have just fallen down on the ground and popped up like I have hundreds of other times in the hundreds of other malls that I've been in um, where they collapse. It's very common for a, for a mall to collapse. I'd say probably about half of them do. Um, but at only one of them did somebody not get up. It's because of this bind around my neck. So at first, I didn't really know what happened. Um, it was all so quick. And then it was a couple of days later that this photographic and video evidence started to produce itself where um, where there was clearly an illegal bind that was maintained and strengthened all the way down to the ground, which had caused my paralysis. Um, and when I first saw those pictures, I wanted to be angry. I mean, I wanted to hate this person. You know, we might talk about it a little later, but this is when I was in a hospital bed dealing with pneumonia. I couldn't swallow anything. Um, my not just the, my quality of life was uncertain, but whether I would even survive at all was uncertain. I was really fighting for my life. Immediate, and it was difficult to know. Future, yeah. yeah, difficult to know that I was going through all of this because of the actions that someone did. And the lack of remorse that I was seeing was very troubling. Um, now my faith is very important to me, um, born and raised Christian. And in this moment, it was kind of a WWJD moment. What would Jesus do? Um, I knew in that moment, um, you know, as a, as a person living out my faith that I needed to forgive this person, but also for my own, uh, mental health, being able to focus on what I needed to complete in this moment to stay alive and get better and yeah. maintain positivity in my life. I had to forgive this person. So very early on, I made the choice to say that I forgave the person. Um, and I say like very specifically say that I forgave the person because I didn't feel like it at right. all. People would ask me, Robert, what do you think about this guy? What's your take? And I would say I forgive him and I wish him well, but but deep within me, I still had a lot of hatred that I was harboring onto. Um, but as time went on, days turned into weeks and then months. And I continued to say those words. I just didn't miss a, miss a beat. Very much kind of a mind over matter type of situation, really controlling my mindset and influencing my, my outcomes. I just kept saying it. And as that time went on, that hatred slowly went down and that animosity just slowly vanished to where mm-hmm. I could say I forgave him. And I really felt it within me too. So, you know, I'm on day, gosh, I think it's day 2120 since May 6th of 2017 when all of this happened. And um, and he still hasn't reached out to me to this day. Did, did anyone from the school or university throughout the, all this time reach out? 
there were there the 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 coach did not reach out to me from their team um but there have there have been members of the arkansas state community who have sent their their condolences letting me know that they're very inspired um by all of this and um you know and, and only wish me the best and, and i truly yeah. appreciate that and you know i i don't know why this player hasn't reached out to me you know there could be a litany of reasons um you know he could have received sort of legal counsel um on this which is which is understandable. I don't think it's entirely excusable. Um, you know, even the statute of limitations, I think for this injury is two years. Um, you know, I'm five and a half years into this thing. So that, mm-hmm. that's a significant amount of time where there is no legal implication. And I never even wanted to pursue that. I, I wanted to move on with right. my life. Didn't need to be dragged back down into that. Um, you know, but if he ever did, he did decide to reach out, I would tell him wholeheartedly that, that I forgive him. Um, and that, of, you know, of course, this was a very difficult journey for me, but I'm in a very good place and I harbor no hard feelings whatsoever. I wish him nothing but the best in life. But I'll tell you, that was a significant challenge for me um, sure. in, in my life. And I think there's a lot of people out there who have people that they need to forgive. Maybe they even need to forgive themselves about something, or maybe there's even an uncontrollable situation that they're dealing with that's really just gripping them. Um, we always have to make that choice to choose forgiveness. Um, we mm-hmm. always have to take that path. I think it's one of the very few generalities that is just always applicable. Um, some people say, you know, Robert, I would use that to sort of fire me throughout my recovery, you know, be be that fire that kept me moving forward. And I think if you stand too close to the fire for too long, you're going to get burned. Yeah, exactly. um, no, nobody wants to live their life with hatred in their heart. And, um, you know, it, it takes a long time. That's a really important thing to point out. It's a process, but that process is always worth it. And, um, and I truly believe that if you stick with it, I don't know how long that might take, um, but, but stay the path because, because it is worth it. And I do believe that, that at least saying those words and choosing that expression will lead to that inner peace. Right. Right. No, it's powerful, man. I, I got a feeling too, Robert, I don't think anybody, I think that'll happen. I think it's probably delayed. It's not denied. I think that would definitely happen. Um, yeah. And and just how uh, right. I mean, it's on God's time, not on ours. So completely um, right. Yeah, I look forward to that day when you, when you do get that that conversation. Um, Me too. You know, with um, and 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 with that said, I mean specifically about just like the rehab. I mean, you spent a year then in Colorado. Yeah. I mean, there were, there were times where you struggled breathing, even swallowing for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, the rehab you, you spoke about, like putting, you know, your socks on getting out of bed, mm-hmm. um, that, that continual struggle. Um, when you kind of just reflect on it now and still like where you're at now, what, um, what stands out to you, man, about, you know, that initial year of, of what you're going through? Oh, it was, uh, it was really controlling my mindset. Um, you know, like you said, I had to fight for my life. I couldn't swallow anything. It took three days to get a feeding tube down my nose to my stomach because I broke my nose so many times playing rugby. Um, I mean, I couldn't breathe on my own, uh, got pneumonia and whenever something would get stuck in my windpipe, I, I couldn't cough it out. I would, I mean, really panicking, trying to, you know, fill my lungs up as much as I could and push it out. But I just didn't have the strength. I was totally helpless. We had my nurses, uh, therapists, my mom just slamming down on my chest, trying to move the stuff out of my lungs just so I can breathe. I mean, it really felt like death was with me in that room. 
mm. just waiting for me to quit. Um, but I wouldn't quit, you know, and, and then I can, then I take, finally get over that and enter a, a rehabilitation environment um, where they actually had a very positive outlook um, where they said, uh, or maybe a positive way of saying it. And they said, Robert, we don't know what's going to happen to you. Like, we don't know where you're going to progress from here. You might walk out of these doors one day and you very well might not, but we're going to guarantee you that we're going to give you everything that modern science and medicine has to optimize this recovery. And we will work you as hard as you want. And yeah, my, my explanation is I didn't come over here to Denver, Colorado to look at the, to look at the Rocky mountains all day. Um, I came here to, you didn't come here to paint, did you? Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. I I came here to move my body again and, um, and get my life back. Um, so whatever is the most rigorous schedule that you can put together, give it to me. Um, because I want this more than anything in my life. And that led, you know, to me coming in where I was paralyzed from the chest down to where I could eventually twitch a finger and twitch a toe. And yeah, a year later, I walked out of those hospital doors and it, you know, while that's, in an immense accomplishment um they came with with immense difficulty and challenges to stay that consistent for that long not really knowing if it's going to pay off in the future and like i said in the beginning of this answer it was all about controlling my mindset um you know as as athletes we you know we spend a lot of time doing things that we don't want to do um you know nobody really wants to go run until their legs are just like like spaghetti noodles and you're feeling that burn in your lungs. No, nobody, nobody wants to push themselves, uh, you know, to that, that pain and that discomfort, the early mornings, the late nights, you know, going out when it's raining or snowing, whatever it is. Yeah, you, um, you don't, you don't, you don't know me, Robert, but keep, <laughs> keep on going, brother. You're the one guy who enjoys that. Yeah. I'm a bit, I'm a bit insane when it comes to that stuff, man, but I don't mean yeah. to interrupt, man. Go ahead. Button for punishment. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, um, you know, I, I would say probably one of the reasons why you enjoy that is because, you know, you're making yourself stronger um, mentally and physically. And, you know, that's that's why athletes pursue pursue those difficult things um, is for the payoff. And, um, and that builds I think that builds up an ability to control your mindset and be positive about difficult things. Um, but when I was in that hospital bed before a surgery that I went into, which was a potentially life threatening surgery. Right. Um, my doctor explained that I needed spinal fusions through the front of the neck. My body was already very deconditioned. A lot of important real estate right here. Things can go very wrong in a surgery like this. And he told me I had about an hour to make my decision on if I wanted to go in or not. And before the surgery, the first phone call I made was to my religious advisor. And I'm asking for prayers and advice. And he gave me this piece of advice before he hung up the phone. Uh, that's really stuck with me ever since it got me through that first year it, it continues to get me through um, my difficult days and it gave me a lot of power in what should have been a powerless situation and he said throughout this journey Robert there's gonna be a lot of things that you can't control but the one thing you'll always have control over is your mindset so your positivity your ambition your willingness to wake up every day and fight this is up to you this circumstance can't take that away from you and there might be things that happen to us in our lives, you know, like injuries, like, you know, let's say you're competing you're on a team and you get, you get dropped down a level on the depth chart. You've worked really hard to be there. You're just not seeing your, your performance paying off on, on the field or, you know, you're a coach and you've had, you know, difficult circumstances. Maybe your team just isn't performing the way you want it to. There's a lot of things that you just really can't control 
But I think regardless of what we're going through, we can always choose the right path. We can always choose to main, maintain positivity about our futures. You know, we're not always going to feel happy every day and gung-ho and ready to get out there. But regardless of how we feel, we can keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, when I was in that hospital, I think anybody who saw me would tell you that I maintained a lot of positivity. And there were a lot of people who came in that room sort of expecting um, to help me. And I think I helped them with, with right. their mentalities is, is what is what they told me, at least that seeing seeing that positive, positive mindset, ambitious about the future, setting goals and ways that I would achieve those goals, um, you know, seeking something really optimistic, something much more than just being able to feed myself, but one day standing up out of my wheelchair and never needing to sit back in it again. And that was my mindset. That was when it was 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. And my respiratory respiratory therapist is saying, hey, wake up. We need to start pumping on your lungs right now so you can breathe. Or when it's day three and they're shoving a tube up my nose down into my stomach for two hours straight. When I, I got blood going everywhere, I mean, it's the worst pain I've ever felt in my life, you know, but I got to eat and I want to breathe. And when I'm in the hospital and it's like, oh, I don't really want to put in nine hours of rehabilitation, just struggling to go from point A to point B on my feet. I did it because I, I wanted the, I wanted the end goal. And, right. um, and I had that mental fortitude to realize there's a lot of difficult stuff going on in my, in my life right now. Um, but I'm going to rise above that fear and that complacency to just sort of sit down and, and accept what's happened to me. I'm, I'm going to keep pushing forward and, and I'm going to fight this. And that's within my control. This injury just can't take that away from me. It might break yeah. my body, but it's not going to break my mind. Right. Or your spirit, man. Fantastic. Yeah. With So Robert, with that, man, and talking about helping other people, I mean, you, you coached mm-hmm. youth rugby mm-hmm. and there was a specific kid, you know, Talon, 12 years mm-hmm. old. And that shift from where you wanted to get better and obviously do and, and still do. And that became a main shift. You, uh-huh. you found out that you're going to be able to make a difference in so many people's lives. Can you share like that, that story and, and, and how that was? Yeah. That changed everything for me. Cause um, when I lost my ability to play rugby, I really lost my purpose in life. Right. You know, that's the thing that got, got me out of bed every morning. That was what people knew me as was, was being a really good rugby player um, and then that was just gone one day. And, you know, while I do maintain hope to, you know, walk again, not need a wheelchair ever again, um, rugby is just simply out of the equation for me. And that was a really difficult thing for me to grasp. And it was about five days into my injury that my high school was hosting a prayer service for me. And maybe to give more context to that, I can explain this relationship with this kid, Talon, who you mentioned, um, where when I was at Cal, I would come back in the summers to my high school where I learned to play rugby. And I coach youth rugby camps, kind of age range, probably 10 to 14 years old. And, and then there's this one kid whose name is Talon. Um, he's kind of a Rudy type, you know, he just like, he yeah. plays with heart and like everybody just roots for someone like that. And I remember I'd give him the ball and pick him up, like bobbing and weaving in between these 12 year olds. So he could go score, but like, we had this really great bond and kind of fast or going back to where I was, my high school was hosting a prayer service for me about five days after my injury. And my dad shows me this picture on his phone of someone who I don't recognize. And he's obviously fighting for his life. His hair is white and thin. His skin is pale. His body's just skin and bones. And then my dad tells me that this kid is Talon. And Talon was fighting stage four cancer. 
There was a part of this picture that his mom had written a caption and it began along the lines of town wanted so badly to be at this prayer service for Robert today, but had to be in the hospital undergoing chemotherapy. And he's wearing his Jesuit rugby shirt that the team gifted him in his first round um, of chemo. And it's Talon's goal that when he beats this cancer, he must go play rugby and Robert inspired him to do that. And the message goes on further to this last sentence that's just seared into my soul mm-hmm. and changed everything for me. And it says, stay strong and keep smiling, Robert. Your strength helps Talon stay strong too. And tears just went down my face because I realized that overcoming this injury is not about me. (laughs) It's about him. It's about all the people in this world who are inspired when I choose to find another day. And I'll tell you, it's not easy to keep moving forward. I think a lot of people could do really well in an injury like this for, you know, for a few weeks, a few months, five and a half years into this thing. And I've got plenty of years ahead of me until I maybe accomplish my goal of not needing a wheelchair anymore. And it's difficult to wake up day in and day out and answer that bell. And when I'm walking around my house, you know, in the beginning of it, I'm kind of cruising along. By the end of it, I'm practically screaming with every step. It's everything I have just going from point A to point B on my feet. And it's not the the pleasure that I get being able to walk a little bit further every day that keeps me going. It's a selfless commitment to others. I realized very early on that this story has power to it. it, has the power to change people's lives and their perspectives and help them go through their challenges. Um, it really seemed like like a gift from God at that point to where this wasn't a curse. This didn't have to be something that defined me in a negative way. Um, it'd be this hinge moment that sent me on a new path and a tra- trajectory that was greater than I might have ever even had if this didn't happen in my life, it gave me back the purpose in my life that I had lost and sent me on, on this, this direction to use what happened to me and turn it into a gift. And that's a gift that I can share with other people. And I think that's something that's so important for all of us to have is a selfless commitment in our lives to when we do something to not just do it for ourselves. Um, I think that's fine to have some sort of, you know, a selfish motivation, of course, I want to walk and get better for myself. But above all of that, I want to make a difference in other people's lives. And, you know, maybe maybe for us, that's our teammates, that's our family, that's our friends, or it's those people who really inspire us that maybe we don't even personally know. But when adversity strikes us and we struggle to find that reason to keep moving forward and to show up every day, that commitment is our reason. Yeah, that life lived for others is a life of purpose. And that purpose mm-hmm. is what gets us to overcome our challenges. Yeah. Um, Kintsugi is, um, you know, Japanese repair of uh, cups and bowls. Mm -hmm. And instead of trying to hide the broken bowl, they illuminate the repair. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's made of like gold dust and you actually see where it's at. Mm -hmm. You, you spoke about tragedy has given way to purpose. Mm -hmm. I guess my question is this, and I'm hoping you can elaborate on this, but one of the fascinating things i've come across in life is people when they talk about their worst day they also talk about in the same breath they end up becoming their best day yeah can you uh can you share with us about what you meant by like the tragedy is giving way to purpose yeah yeah i'd love to talk about that you know it's funny you bring up that um method you, you talked about in my um in my living room is the jersey and uh, and rugby shorts that were cut off my body 
in the hospital um, before I went into that surgery. And, uh, and you know, we, we put it together in a frame and you can see, you know, all, all, all the cut marks and everything just sort of pieced it back together. And um, I think it's such a powerful statement to be able to look at that jersey. And I mean, you can look at that right there and you're like, there's the story behind this. Um, and it's, some, it's something probably kind of tragic that happened. Um, and that's kind of, you know, that's day one. And then I look at myself here on day 2,120 and think of everything that's happened in between them. And, and it illuminates how that tragedy turned into purpose in my life. And that was a very difficult thing for me to realize. You know, there's, there's a lot of times when I just sort of wished that, that this had never happened to me. Um, I wish that I just fell on the ground and stood up and competed in the rest of the game, held up the trophy with my teammates and continued on the wonderful, wonderful life that I had. And, um, and when I started, is when I really started speaking, um, public speaking, that I fully saw the realization of that tragedy turning into purpose, sharing my story, sharing the tools that have helped me overcome my challenges, and having these one-on-one -on -one conversations with folks afterwards, talking about um, things that they were going through and how this was helping them and little specific tools that they were going to start using in their day-to-day -day lives. And it finally illuminated that, that purpose. And um, I think the first time that I really thought about this, I was um, in Denver and I was having a rough day. It had been a couple of weeks since I had really had any inkling of progress with my injury. And you know, I was kind of discouraged. I'm like, man, I'm putting forth all this effort, you know, I hope this pays off, but, but I don't know. And I, I was feeling discouraged and um, feeling bad for myself and sort of like, man, I really wish this never happened. And, and my dad was like, it was like, look at all the things you're, you've done, Robert, and the things that you're doing. I mean, I had a, I had a GoFundMe for my injury at that time to help pay for the medical expenses. I'm sure, as you can imagine, breaking your neck is not a smart financial decision. Um, we needed help. And we got it immensely financially um, and, and emotionally, mentally and spiritually as well. Uh, reading the messages of folks, um, you know, where they, they'd be saying, you know, I'm fighting through cancer right now, but I see your, I see your faith, your hope and your perseverance. And it gives me faith and hope and perseverance as well. You know, never stop or people who had lost loved ones. Um, people who were, had a spinal cord injury, I mean, just, there's a litany of things, um, that I've seen, you know, through this website and through social media messages as well. And, um, and we went, we, we would read through those and it became so clear that what happened to me on that day was not the worst thing that ever happened to me. Um, maybe it was one of the best things that ever happened to me, you know, not, I mean, the response, you know, was so amazing, you know. I wouldn't ever recommend that anybody goes out there and breaks their necks, right? Because, because of what it's, what it's given to me. Um, you don't, you don't have to actually go through it to be able to maintain these principles as well. I think if you have strong empathy um, for your, for your fellow man, then you can learn these, these lessons and have that same perspective. And, um, and, but that response since that day has led to, has led to the purpose of my life. And like, if I could go back, to May 6th of 2017 and change what happened to me, I wouldn't. I mean, I, I just couldn't because I'm so proud of where I am now. 
And how could I ever wish away my life's greatest purpose? And it's pretty clear that my purpose was was born out of that moment um, when I broke my neck and developed in the 2000 plus days that have followed to where I am now, where I look back and that moment was not a tragedy. Um, that moment, it, it turned into a gift and I could never wish that gift away. You know, I love how, you know, the, your mess has become your message. Yeah. Um, when, how has, um, and, and I know you and I spoke about faith early on, you've spoken about mm -hmm. faith already in this, but how has God been here throughout this whole process for you? Yeah. He's, I mean, he's been there in every single way. Um, you know, one thing that I really grappled with in the beginning, um, was thinking that, that God kind of did this to me. Um, I always believed that God had a plan for my life and that plan was good. Um, when this initially happened, it was really hard to see how this could be according to a plan and how that plan was good. But I started seeing, you know, all these messages from folks who are really being inspired, you know, me trying to take on a positive mindset throughout it all and embracing it, controlling my mindset throughout it all. And I had sort of come to the initial conclusion that, um, that this was of the divine and this was, was part of my plan. And I was embracing that. And I was talking about this with my religious advisor. And he was like, oh, hold on. God did not break your neck. The number eight from Arkansas State, who has free will, made a move that broke your neck. All the good things that have come out of it, your strength, the healing that you've had, the inspiration you've been able to provide to others and this wonderful community that has developed because of your trust and your faith of God and him working his wonders on you and those who are exposed to this, like that's God. And, um, and it was kind of one of those light bulb going off moments from like, you're exactly right. Um, God doesn't want bad things to happen to us in our lives, but if we trust in him and we work with him, then there is nothing that he can't turn into good. And, um, and I, I live with a, a lot of, a lot of faith and a lot of hope through that, knowing that God is with me every step that I take and through every single one of the hard days that I have that, um, that everything's not just going to be okay, but everything's, everything's going to be good. And, um, I mean, I just, I pray every day now and just with so much gratitude, um, just asking for God's will to be done in my life and, and grateful for how it's, it's turned into such amazing things. And, um, I, I truly felt the presence of God throughout all of this. Yeah. And I, I love you sharing that, man. I mean, personally, I've always felt, look, it's great when people hold up the trophy and say, you know, God is good. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. I mean, God is always good. It's just, you know, their circumstances even better, but I've always, I think most people can relate to people that go through situations like yourself and overcome and persevere, not just make it through, but the, the betterment of others mm -hmm. to say, you know, God, God is good, man. I mean, this is through the strength of that. So Mm -hmm. I think that's the power and, and, and the strength I hear what you're sharing. Um, Robert, somebody is listening to this for the first time and, and hearing you speak and, you know, they're, they're just struggling, right? I mean, they're going through something I mean, somebody's always struggling with something. What's the message that, that they need to hear, man? What do they need to hear from you? Yeah. I, I want to encourage everybody to, to really utilize perspective in their lives the right way. Um, this was something that was rather difficult for me at first that, um, that I've sort of built up as a tool that's really aided me. Um, because I think we spend a lot of times looking up, 
And we see all the people who have who have everything going, seems like they have everything going on in our lives. They have everything that we want. We compare it them to what we're going through. And we just think, oh gosh, my life sucks. And my life, my life's terrible. Um, we don't spend enough time looking down, looking at the people who are really going through a tough situation right now. Those millions of people in this world who would give probably anything to be us and to have what we have in our lives. And, um, and it was probably like after the first month of my injury, when I was really clearly able to see this, um, I could spend a lot of time looking at my, my life before my injury, comparing it to what I was going through and saying that my life is terrible and thinking of all the things that I've lost. Um, or I could look at myself when it was a huge accomplishment, when I could sit upright in a chair for more than 10 minutes without passing out. Um, or when I was fighting that pneumonia, unable to eat lost 60 pounds that first month and was just hoping and praying for just the chance to be able to fight out of this injury. Um, not, not the guarantee and not the end result, but just wanting the chance to be able to give everything that I have to hopefully get some recovery back. And um, I remember there was one time that I was walking through my house and it was a tougher workout. I, you know, I was, I was, I was struggling through it and um, and I was complaining. My mom was sort of spotting me right behind me. And eventually I just stopped and I was like, old Robert Paler would have just slapped me across the face right now if he could have. Um, and this sort of perspective gave birth to a phrase that I use and encourage a lot of other people to use um, called compared to what? So we think I'm like, oh man, I'm really tired right now, but compared to what? Mm -hmm. Or there's a lot that I'm going through, but compared to what? There's a lot that I do have, and there's a lot that I can do. Now, that statement is not meant to dismiss our challenges. I think it's very unhealthy when we dismiss our challenges. It ignores it. Well, the challenge will never go away if we do that. But what that statement is meant to do is put our challenges down into perspective because it helps us realize that what we're going through is overcomable. There is so much that we can achieve. There's so much that we can always be grateful for. Um, and just always important to realize there's just millions of people in this world who would rather be in our situation than their own. There's always someone who has it worth. And I think it's, it's upon us, um, to, to be respectful of them, to appreciate the things that we have and whether we're going through something really difficult or sometimes whether we're having a normal day and someone asks you, you know, how are you doing? And we say, fine. Every single time someone asks me how I'm doing and I have a normal day, I'm saying great, because there was a time when I would have given anything just to have a quote unquote normal day. Um, when we live with that perspective, I think it's, it's kind of the key to happiness, yeah. um, to help us start to appreciate what all the things that we do have in our lives and the things that, that we should be utilizing, um, to be where we want to be and, and have some more contentment and, and gratitude for, for what we have. Can, can you share with us, I just have two more questions, but the first one's this, man, can you share with us like, um, because I believe perspective is definitely, it's, it's a superpower, perspective mm. and gratitude. Can you share with us specific to time? Um, how, how is your relationship with time now? Yeah, I think um, I used to have much more of an immediate satisfaction um, type of mindset when it was regarded to time. Um, you know, I'd, I'd work hard for a couple of weeks and I needed to see some results um, to, to feel encouraged and, and to keep going down that path. Um, and I, th I think a lot of us fall into that trap nowadays. And since I had this, this injury, I started just 
thinking of everything in terms of goals and whatnot on a very long-term basis, um, realizing that this, I'm not going to walk tomorrow or the next day or the day after that. Um, it's going to take me years to be able to accomplish this goal. And I need to maintain that patient uh, yet active trust throughout it all. Um, for me specifically in sort of my recovery chart, I think at first it was pretty linear. Maybe at sometimes it was exponential. Over the past few years, I would liken it more to a staircase. So I will spend sometimes a two, three month period working just as hard as I can. And I'm not seeing any progress. It's just going straight from left to right. And, um, and, but, you know, I've, I've been doing this for a while. I know it pays off. I know I want to walk again and to walk again, I got to keep putting forth effort and then it'll just shoot up. Like I'll double my PR or have some immense, um, physical accomplishment that happens. And I stay there and I'm fired up. I'm happy. I got my progress. I worked hard for. And then I, then I repeat that cycle where I'm going a few weeks, I'm going a month without anything. Um, but I'm continuing to show up and I'm continuing to, to fight off discouragement, um, because I know that it pays off. So this is about the long game. And, um, and I don't always have to have a PR kind of day to be able to be satisfied. I just need to know that I gave it all my effort. Um, that one thing that I can control and then I'm going to be, and then I'm going to be satisfied and then I'm going to be okay. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, my, how I equate time, you know, in terms of, of my recovery and, you know, and goals has, has really changed um, because I, I have such, a, I have such a bold goal in my life. Um, and, um, and it, it, it fuels me, it keeps me going. And I'm, but I'm also realistic about where I'm at. And I know it's going to take a lot of time, but I'm here for the ride. Want to listen to your favorite music, but you're sick of all the commercial interruptions and negative news today. Tune into KukoRadio.com. Music for your mindset. We're a commercial-free online radio station. Play nothing but hits. Our free iOS and Android apps are available for download at KukoRadio.com. I love it, Robert. Yeah. Uh, my last question, man, is like, what question should I be asking that, that I'm not asking? Oh, man, that's, that's a good question, huh? Um, yeah, it's the first time I've ever been asked that. You know... When I think about it, I, I always want people to ask me, like, what, what do you want someone um, to go away from this, this conversation um, feeling? And the thing that I tell to the audience member who's listening to this right now is don't just keep doing life the way that you did it before you heard this. Don't get up out of bed tomorrow and just pop up out of bed and don't even think about it. Because for me, it takes a really long time to get out of bed. There was one time that I, I couldn't even get out of bed. And, um, and that's a gift to be able to just get out of bed, you know, to go stand and brush your teeth. That's a gift to be able to make your breakfast is a gift to be able to drive to work is a gift to be able to work is a gift. Um, there's so many things that, that we deal with in our lives that we kind of just take for granted. It becomes normalized and, um, and we don't really think about it. We don't really give thought to how important it is in our lives. And trust me, I was there too. And I deal with it to this day, but I think it's important for us to, to stop and take a moment um, at what we do have in our lives, how much we can achieve with our lives. We've got to use these things we have. We've got to be grateful for these, these things we have. So, you know, so don't, don't just keep doing life the way you, you've, you've been doing it. 
um, you know, use some of the perspective that this that this story may have been able to give you to see the world a different way, you know, to hold the door open for people um, when you're walking through, to walk by someone and give them a smile and start really appreciating all the all these things we have. Um, because we can't just expect it to always be there. That's not how life works. Um, every day that we get is a gift. So we ought to treat it like that. Embrace it like a gift. Be grateful for it like a gift. Um, use this very special life that we have. Yeah, well said, man. I uh, I fell off a 80-foot cliff when I was in oh. college. You know, mine was a little bit different. Uh, I did it all to myself. I had no idea where I was and drugs and alcohol. Mm. and um and afterwards you know this was 90s and lance armstrong came out with his book then and whatever we kind of think about lance is fine but he had a quote and he just said if you ever get a second chance of life you got to go all the way mm. and so the reason why i said that earlier about men you know you don't know me it's because um in in some twisted way man i look as being able to run in the rain or at four in the morning it's it's making myself uncomfortable so I can still be in touch with the perspective and gratitude that yeah. this glass of water is going to have when I'm done with this, with this piece of suffering, you know? So I, I'm mm -hmm. thankful that I get to choose the suffering that I have. Cause I think if right. we don't have it, we lose the perspective. We lose that gratitude very, very mm -hmm. quickly. Well said. Mic drop moment, man. <laughs> <laughs> that is a mic drop moment. Robert, thank you so much, man, for uh, for joining us. We're going to put your links on there, but why don't you just share real quick uh, the website that we can uh, we can find you at? Absolutely. Uh, website is robertpaylor.com, and I'm on pretty much every social media site. I've kind of got a monopoly on the name Robert Paylor. Um, not a lot, not a lot of those out there. So very easy to find me. Very easy to connect. I post daily um, stories of my my rehabilitation, just showing that it's not always about the top of the mountain. You know, it, it's about it's about the climb to get there and um, that consistent work. So I, I try to try to instill that on people and help fuel their mental diets. Um, but um, such a pleasure to be here today, and would love to connect with anybody who's inspired by this. Absolutely. Thanks so much, brother. Thank you. to Mental Toughness with Dr. Rob Bell. To find out more about Dr. Rob, visit his website at drrobbell.com or follow him on Twitter at Dr. Rob Bell and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform to get the next episode of Mental Toughness as soon as it's available. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.